Snow Day Pod is one year old. Happy birthday to us. Before we do episode 15, here are a few thoughts on getting from zero to one. We've got a a couple of anniversaries that are sort of bookending us right now. So we're someplace in between the day that the whole Snow Day Pod concept came together, which was March 6th, 7th, kind of in a, a bourbon haze in a snowstorm. Uh, and then it was March 20th, I think, that we got the first episode put together and posted and sent out to the world. So it's March 28th today, one year and a couple days after all of that stuff. And uh, it feels pretty good. I can say for myself, I didn't think we were going to get 15 in the can for sure. And I didn't think that we were, I didn't think we were going to last year. I was surprised we even got one put together. E- each one of these is a little, is an absolute gift for me. So uh, some thoughts, fellas, yeah. uh, let's throw it to you, Lester. One year in, what do you think? You know what, Bruce? I think it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. I share your sentiment. I think, uh, when I remember when you first mentioned to me that week that we were together, um, that you had always wanted to, or you had been thinking that you really wanted to try to produce and record a podcast. And then we started kicking around these ideas. I remember thinking, ah, you know, that's kind of a neat idea. It's going to be a pretty big rock to get lifted, get four guys rowing in the same direction in a, in a boat to, to get this done. And here we are 15 episodes and a year later, I'm, uh, I am both impressed and proud of your accomplishment today, man, because I'll say this, maybe the listeners don't know this, but for George and Steve and I, this is a really fun and easy sort of one hour every few weeks or once a month that we do. But Bruce does all the technical work after that, and I know yeah. that's a lot yeah. more than one hour, and you do all the work and the heavy lifting, and this is really your baby. So congratulations, my brother. It's been a fun project. I really have enjoyed it, and uh, I'm glad uh, and thankful for all the effort that you put in that, that makes it possible for me. So thanks, man. So yeah. Super duper. Stevie, anything more? I, I wasn't looking for pats <laughs> on the back, boys. I honestly wasn't, but I, but I appreciate that. It's been a <laughs> no, su- super, super fun project for me, too, obviously. It's, it's yeah. great to do. Yeah, yeah no, it's, I, I mean, it's amazing. I, I, uh, I can't believe how many hours you put in, Crent. It's been unbelievable. But the fact that we get together, um, it's almost given me a little bit of peace because I've been so busy. I've missed less my last two times in Toronto, which is weird. Knowing that I've got the podcast to connect with you guys has been a has been a blessing, right? I mean, it's a really big part of my, uh, a really big part of my space. So I've, I've been loving it. It's been fun and it's been awesome. So the fact that, you know, I always forget that there are people that are listening <laughs> because to me, it's like <laughs> connecting, connecting and just, you know, just doing what we did that day. We got snowed in, uh, snowmageddon there back in Thompson. It was awesome. It was a gift and it's been a gift since then. So yeah, thanks all of you guys. And thanks Krentz for uh, doing the heavy lifting. So yeah, I, I, I would echo what Les and, uh, Eve said. I'd also think it's kind of cool because, you know, a lot of people don't know people for four decades already in our age group. And I'm doing a podcast with people I've literally known from elementary school for 40 years now. So it's kind of cool that this last year is kind of representative of how we started and how we met all in Thompson and stuff. I think it's great. Couldn't agree more. I mean, putting this together for me has been, like I said, a ton of fun. And uh, but really, the the gift in it for all of this, and it sounds a little cheesy, maybe, and sappy, but really has been us kind of all reconnecting and and finding a reason to uh, to talk to each other every couple of weeks or, or yeah. once a month or whatever Without it is. Right? 
to, to have something in yeah. common again. We're so spread out, but now we sort of have something in common again that we're, uh, like you say, rowing in the same direction less. So f- for sure, selfishly for all of us, I think that's probably been the, the best part of the pod. This is episode 15, What Do I Want to Be When I Grow Up? A few thoughts on the last pod quickly. Uh, one that I, that I enjoyed, one of the feedback was Jim Rudd. He said, interestingly for him on confronting his first dead animal, like many of his country friends, rather than being traumatized, uh, he was proud to have eliminated a threat to somebody's farm or put a meal on the table and was praised by his older brothers and fathers. <laughs> I don't think we're sur- I don't think we're at all surprised by that, but it's, at the same time, it is an, an interesting sort of perspective from the other side, right? Because we're, uh, we're we're all a little yeah. bit the same. And he did say, George uh, or anybody from the Snow Day podcast, if you want to find out if you could pull the trigger on an animal, a live animal, he's extending an invitation to his hunting property in Mulvey Hill. <laughs> Get some goddamn lead in the air! <laughs> uh, how sweet! How and sweet! Anytime this fall or any fall, so the next time you're in Manitoba, uh, feel free to take Jim up on that offer. <laughs> <laughs> Touching on the Olympics a little bit, I think we nailed it. Mostly, overall, the Olympics were a little bit underwhelming, and that was sort of some of the feedback from from that pod. Lester, you threw out a challenge in there, saying if there was a hockey game on at three in the morning, would any of us get up and watch it? And I challenge you guys to this. I throw this question out. When Canada is playing either uh, Russia or the U.S. for Olympic gold at 3.30 in the morning or 5.30 in the morning on a Wednesday, are you going to get up in the middle of the night and watch it live time? That's not a chance for me. (laughs) There wasn't, but the ladies' hockey game went till 2 in the morning, and I actually stayed up and watched that with my family. Any other thoughts that you guys heard on the last pod? We talked about this a little bit internally. It got a little long on us guys, and so we're gonna try to uh, we're gonna try to shorten them down from here on in. Yeah, Megan thought it was one of our best, and she couldn't really figure out why. Well, part of it, I it's think, like, was was the content. We all had a lot to say, right? Yeah. There was, it's. I mean, yeah. it's something that was front of mind for everybody, and we all have a lot of experience with it. So I thought we had a lot of a lot of good content, and that's part of the reason why I think it got a little bit long on us. But uh, no apologies to anyone. We'll just try to be better in the future. Yeah, I'm trying to stay quiet, George. I'm trying to stay quiet on that one. That I was the only one missing from that podcast. It stings a little. I, I was totally hoping you would pick up on that. How about I drop the first F bomb? You're so hung out out there in space, yeah. It's so good. It stings deep. It was very organic, and it flowed very easily. Like, you could just tell it what... Uh, I think she said, I literally could picture you guys skipping across the table and talking to each other about this topic. So I think that's what she meant. Like, it was so natural and smooth. So I think that's a good compliment. Here's the disclaimer. There's going to be some swearing. This is going to be a little unprofessional. Someplace between a locker room and a church gathering. Nothing we'd be embarrassed to play for our kids or our parents. That's kind of the zone. If you can live with that, welcome aboard. If not, thanks for giving it a try. Four friends trapped in a virtual living room by a virtual snowstorm. This is the Snow Day Podcast. With Dr. George Alvarez. 
saying, hey, yeah. what are you guys going to do when you yeah. grow up? You know, and everybody knew I wanted to be a doctor. And- Guy's son and entrepreneur, Leslie Hansen. I don't know, maybe for me, retirement might be having kids, and that'll be a <laughs> different way to live the second half of my life, you know? Speaker, author, and leadership expert, Stephen DeGroote. I feel like I'm building a plane in the air every single day. And me, I'm still in Thompson, Bruce Krentz, the one they left behind. I'm thinking you're the dad, you gotta keep this together, like, come on, man. Steve, you weren't on the last one. You got a lot to say. You get to go first. So, what's been going on with you? No, yeah, no, no. It's just been, it's just the same. Just more and faster. It's been insane. I'm getting crushed by the things that I love, and uh, feel like I'm just bouncing around all over the place, doing some great things. You know, so I'm not going to complain about that. But uh, I feel like I'm building a plane in the air every single day. Um, but I'm hoping to hoping to connect with Lester. I'm there next week, dude. So I hope you're there. Uh, I am, and I can stop talking about not not seeing you. Um, but yeah, just more of the same. Having fun doing what I'm doing. Georgie, I know you were skiing a couple of days ago, but what else have you been up to in the last month plus? Yeah, well, I was out in Toronto, and Les and I actually had listened to the Olympic episode together, which was really fun. And I got went to a Raptors game with him, did a little bit of celebration. I hadn't been to a Raptors game in a long time, and uh, yeah, I've been skiing and playing squash and working and writing some stuff so yeah it's been uh it's been a fun four or five weeks since we last spoke lester you you saw george you didn't see steve nobody's buying you supper you haven't been in my kitchen so what's going on <laughs> yeah that's true i uh believe me i have uh, taken note of the number of times that steve has passed through toronto and i haven't seen him and i'm adding that to the tab <laughs> for when he eventually comes to it and is going to owe me dinner again had a fantastic weekend when Georgia came out here. The other thing I've been up to, and this is actually how long the pod has been, because this entire event has come and gone, I thought I was going to have a chance on this pod to promote the charity events that I got involved with, but the event is actually over. <laughs> so I'll just tell you what I did, which was I, I uh, busted out the old basketball shoes and uh, got a team together and raised a bunch of money for a fantastic charity. Uh, which is the West Park Rehabilitation Hospital here in Toronto. They hosted a, a, a charity basketball tournament, um, and our team, Team Bounce Back, managed to raise uh, almost $27,000 for what a fantastic wow. cause. Yep, happy about that. Thank you to, uh, for, to you guys for sponsoring me. I know you threw some cash in, so appreciate that. It was a great cause. And I'm still recovering a little bit because last weekend I played an all-day basketball tournament, a bunch of... Uh, against a bunch of former NBA players and celebrities, and uh, it was uh, it was a great time. I'm feeling uh, all of my years of age this week recovering and remembering why <laughs> I quit playing basketball a number of years ago. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely worth it to get on the court and uh, play against some pretty impressive guys. So it was a, it was a fun time, and it was, a, it was a great event, so I'm happy I did it. Right on. The, the size of the NBAers when you see them in real life is just staggering. On, on TV, you lose perspective because they're all that size, but the size, the pictures you sent, Lester, were, were mind-blowing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like, man. did it feel like that in real life? Uh, Bruce, it's freakish. It was even more so because I've, I mean, I, I go to a lot of Raptor games, so I've, I've met a lot of players. I've been close to a lot of players, and I tell people all the time, like, you don't realize how big a seven-foot athlete is until you stand beside them. Well, now I can put it in further perspective because 
I've played, played with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I played with them. And, you know, you guys, I know George, Steve, I mean, we've all played a little bit of ball. And usually, you know, I'm sure we, you guys, have, like me, played against guys, you know, 6'9", six, 6'10". And they're they're like, you know, when you play against a guy who's 6'10", he's like the big lumbering center because he's just like this enormous guy who, you know, plays a little bit of ball because he's 6'10", and they're down in the paint. But, you know, I played last weekend against Rashard Lewis, who is a legitimate 6'11", and has guard skills. So <laughs> when, you, when, when you see a guy dribbling the ball up the court <laughs> towards you on the full run, and he's like, Faster than you and more agile and athletic than you, and he's a he's six foot eleven. It was like a freakish experience. It was like I don't even know how to describe it. Like it was like just out of this world for me. It was it was amazing, and they were all like super nice guys. Like obviously they know they're playing in a charity tournament against a bunch of scrubs, so they're like laughing and you know not killing you. But uh, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. I talked a little trash to Mo Pete. And uh, <laughs> I was, I, yeah, Mopeed, I defended him first time down the court. I talked a little shit to him. Next time down the court, he pulled up a good eight feet in front of me, which I'm sure was maybe five or six feet behind the NBA three point line, and just drained it. You know, went, like close to a forty footer over my head, and just laughed at me and turned around and watched it. And I was just like, "Fuck, that is so cool." <laughs> you know, so. It didn't stop me from talking shit to him. That's for sure, but. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Cool experience. One of the few times in your life you enjoyed getting your ass kicked. I love it. Yeah, without a doubt, right? Without a doubt. It's, uh, I've played in a couple of sort of charity hockey games when some of the ex-NHLers have come up here. And you're right, you just you can't understand the skill uh, that these guys have until you are, are right there beside them, right? It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's, it's a pretty cool experience. Uh, last one for me, guys. I mean, the Manitoba Games, a little bit unlike the Olympics, which I think were underwhelming for a lot of people. The Manitoba Games here in Thompson surprised us big time. It was uh, such a feel-good, fun event to be a part of. I'm, it's two and a half weeks later, and I'm still buzzing from it. Just the, the feeling among the volunteers was great the athletes we got nothing but uh but good feedback from people everything went off without a hitch and uh for me it was eight days at media fantasy camp we did 100 tv interviews and a whole bunch of live radio hits and i was even on <laughs> on the five o'clock news with Marilee caruso and the host city of 13,000 is getting rave reviews for its hospitality joining me now over skype from the games in thompson is bruce Karenz. thanks for joining me bruce hey thanks thanks for having me and so we wow, could, nice. yeah, that was fun. Very time. Big time. It, it was an awesome event. It really was. I was, uh, and maybe went in with low expectations about how it would be, but could, couldn't have been more fun. Day eight, I woke up at six in the morning because I was so excited. I, I couldn't sleep and had a text from Paul, the cameraman. He had sent at five <laughs> saying, this is what we got to do today. <laughs> like it was, it, it was wild. So yeah, the, I'm still, yeah, uh, still, still hopping from that. It was, it was lots of fun. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Bruce, I want to give a shout out to Harwood because he did a fantastic job of posting a lot of that stuff uh, on social media. So I, I was able to keep track of a lot of the things that you were involved with, and it looked like a, a great event, and uh, he did a good job of, uh, of covering that for you for, from a social media standpoint. I'm spreading the word. No no kidding. He was, and I mean, his role in the games was he was the head of all of sports, so we had 15 events, 13 sports, and he was sort of uh, had volunteers under there, but keeping a watchful eye on that and then still spreading the word for us, so it was... Pretty great event. I would do it again tomorrow if somebody asked.
Uh, we, we said we would shorten down the pod a little bit, and now we're like way into it already, and we haven't even got to the topic. So I'm going to introduce it right away. <laughs> Today's topic, what do I want to be when I grow up? And uh, I know that, that we're not at retirement age, and I got to say, guys, one of the things that's bugged me most in my work career is that person at work that's counting down the days till their retirement from three years out, right? It's 962 days, and um, for some reason... <laughs> That stuff bugs me. I never want to be that guy. And, and clear, I don't know what I want to do when I retire, but uh, a lot of our friends are starting to talk about it. And as I think about it, I, it, to me, it feels a little bit like when you're in elementary school or junior high, maybe, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you leave, leave high school? And what are you going to do when you leave the job you're in, if you do, when you retire? It kind of feels the same. There's so many moving parts out there. What's your life going to look like? Where's, you know, your kids? What kind of money are you going to have? What are you going to want to do? Will you be healthy? All of those kind of things. So it's kind of an interesting time. And we were looking to uh, just get some thoughts on what do you guys think about retirement? Is retirement sitting on a beach and just doing nothing? Because right now I can't do that for more than a day or two. So I'm not sure why I would be able to in 10 years, but, um, and even golfing, I don't know if you guys have ever golfed three days in a row, but day four, it starts to get a little dull for me. So, so what does retirement look like? Or, or what, what are some of your thoughts on how, how do you move into another phase of your life when that day comes? So, uh, Stevie D, can I kick it to you to start it off? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, if my father and my mother are any indication, um, there's no stopping. Like, you know, my, <laughs> my dad's going three jobs and he's retired. So yeah. Uh, and he's the mayor of a small town. So, uh, you know, me, it's the same thing, Bruce. It's like, I don't get it when people say they can't wait for the kids to get out of the house. Like I'm the like same thing, right? It's like really I want to I want to keep them retirement to me. I don't know. I love what I do so much because it's attached to making people's lives better, right? So I'm addicted to that, and I can never I can't even imagine getting up and not not doing something that I love, whether it's creating or talking to somebody or helping out in some way. So yeah, no, I don't. It's so lost on me when I hear it. I just don't even get it. And when I when I hear those people that are looking forward to the days, I'm, I'm bittersweet. I'm happy for them, but I'm also sad for them at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and you're saying you're sad because you're not doing something you love right now, or yeah, that they've that they've got 900 days of uh, pain, and that that you know 900 days of whatever's happening in front of them is just going to be you know the meaning of it is going to be compromised somewhat, you know. So sad that way, sad that way versus you know putting it on the calendar living life until it gets there versus I'm not sure if they got the memo that everybody doesn't want to hear it every single day. Right. <laughs> well, I guess I got a couple of things to say to that. It, 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 it's funny that you brought this topic up because two things have come up very recently that has made me think about this topic. One is a mutual friend of ours, Donovan Jones turns 50. Uh, and Lux and I are actually going to Chicago in May to celebrate his 50th birthday. Well, He's also making his retirement party for an income, meaning he's worked there for 30 years and he's thinking about retirement and he's got a whole bunch of stuff doing retirement. And I sort of reflect on myself when I went, you know, this is a huge generational thing. My career really didn't start till about 11 years ago when I moved to Calgary from overseas, from Australia. Like, you know, I was training and traveling and, you know, studying and Carolyn was doing her PhD, et cetera, et cetera. But realistically, my career didn't start until 11 years ago. So it's totally different than our generation where I think about less is that. Well, he had one job, he retired. My dad, he had one job, he retired. He, they never thought they would have more than one job in their career. And, you know, Steve, your dad's a little bit of a of anomaly just because he had an entire career at Inkle and then continues to do other things. But 
it's so different from our, um, you know, our parents' generation where uh, it's like Mad Men. You started in one job and you ended it. Like there was no thinking about moving in your yep. career. So I think it's it's really different. And I can't believe one of my best friends is retiring. And like you, Steve, there is no way in the foreseeable future I'm starting to work just because I enjoy it so much. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of one point. And then the second point, I after you threw this out, uh, this topic, I asked my kids. I go, hey. Do uh, do your teachers ever ask what you're going to do when you grow up? Both of them never been asked in their entire school career. So that's combined, you know, I guess 16-some years of school combined between the two of them. And I remember routinely being asked, don't you remember when you were a kid, saying, hey, what are you guys going to do when you yeah. grow up? You know, and everybody knew I wanted to be a doctor and, no, and everybody else, oh, I want to be a fireman and an astronaut. I think the this generation has already figured it out that, there is no expectation that by the time you're in high school, by the time you're in, you're in university, you have any inkling of what you're going to do because jobs are going to exist that don't even exist today. They're going to be different 15 years from now. So even our, even my own kids aren't being asked or pressured where I think we were totally yeah. a different mindset. So those are two comments. Well, we were still, I, I just have to say, we were still on the receiving end of that whole social control thing, like the 70s. In the 50s and 70s, like we had the books I remember in grade one, like everyone was, a, everyone had a profession, like every single book, <laughs> right? Like, look at every, like everyone, all women had dresses, all men had, you know, it was just, it, I, I can still can't get those images out of my head. Whereas now I have no idea what grade ones are reading. <laughs> yeah. S- sadly, in a lot of cases, it's probably those same books, but that's like a whole nother podcast <laughs> talking about our school system not keeping up and we're not putting enough money into that. But, uh, but, but you're right. Ho- hopefully there's some stay at home dads in, uh, in a couple of those books. George, you, I mean, I think pretty much had the most clear path coming out of, or the most clear vision for where you were going to go. Uh, Lester, I think you were probably second in line, and then Steve and I fell, fell quickly into the, we really don't have a hot clue category. So, uh, how about you, man? What do you think? It's uh, it's interesting. I'm glad that George had a, an opportunity to speak before me there because I, too, when you sent out this topic for the podcast, I found it very interesting and I had to do some thinking about it because I think for myself personally, I don't know, even at this age, sometimes I wonder. I don't think my entire life, career-wise, I have ever known what I really wanted to do. And I contrast that with... My good friend George, who I remember meeting on the first day of grade five in the back of Sue Potashnik's, <laughs> uh class, and I actually I, I actually told this story at uh, at George's wedding. The very first day I met George, first day of grade five, he told me he wanted to be a doctor when he grew up, <laughs> and I remember thinking, "Wow, that's kind of neat. He knows exactly what he wants to do." And at many times in, in my career, as I was kind of moving around and just feeling generally like unsettled and unsatisfied all the time and going in different directions, I often thought back to that and thought, wow, I don't know if George realizes how lucky he has been that he's always known what he wanted to do, because I don't think I've ever known what I want. And even today, sometimes I feel like I don't know what I want to do. People who look forward to counting down to retirement have probably been doing the same thing for a long time. Like it's, it's crazy. Like George, you know, we look at, at Donnie, first of all, love the fact that he's able to retire so young because he put in his 30 years at ACO. Like, it's amazing. He's going to retire at 50, so good for him. Shout out to Donnie, to Donnie, happy for him. 
for myself, like my career has been sort of all over the map. I've done different things at, at different times and gone in different directions, always kind of chasing something and figuring out what the next thing I wanted to do is. And I don't think that that's ever going to really change for me. I will say that, um, I mean, I had one big sort of career or, or life change back about, you know, eight or 10 years ago. Um, I, you know, whatever, call it a classic midlife crisis. You know, my marriage had ended and I finished a job. I was at for a long time and I was trying to figure out like what the hell do I want to do with the second part of my life. And I did decide at that point in time, I made the very conscious decision. I never want to work for someone else again. And I have held myself to that very carefully since then. So now all of the work opportunities that I'm involved in are all um, entrepreneurial in some aspects. So I'm, I'm my own boss and I, I make sure that I maintain that so I have control over things. But I, I definitely know that moving forward, I see that I want to work less at some point. Like I, I, I try to keep a mindset of as I get older, you know, this is great. I love what I do. I love working hard, but I don't want to work this many hours next year. And I want to work fewer the year after that and fewer the year after that. So I try to make decisions for my businesses that take me in that path. So I think for me, retirement is going to be still owning businesses or at least a business and being involved to a certain degree, but hopefully much less. Like having put together a team that can run things where, you know, I go to the office like one day a week or half a day a week, stop in, say hi, stay involved, keep my mind active, but don't ever have to be there. Like I don't have to put in 40 hours a week and, and have the ability to kind of do what I want to do as well. So I, I, like, I think that's sort of my mindset on that. I like hearing that and that it's almost like a true entrepreneur. You're, you built an exit plan into the whatever businesses you're building. Isn't that one of the big things with a startup is from day one, you got to know what your exit plan is, right? Yeah, and, that, and, that's, that's absolutely true, Bruce. That's absolutely true. Yep. I think about my exit plans all the time. And one of my, I guess, I wouldn't call it a beef, but a, my question mark with society, and I'm the exact opposite, right? We've kind of talked about this before. You're entrepreneur, you're your own boss. I've forever worked for somebody in a in a pretty safe environment, whatever that, whatever big organization that happens to be. And I'm always kind of disappointed in those organizations that phasing people out, for lack of a better way to describe that, is never part of the conversation, right? So, I mean, I would happily say, I'm going to keep working for you till I'm 75 instead of 65, but I'm starting with four days a week right now. And in 10 years, I'm going to be three days a week and then two and whatever, right? And you can kind of keep my knowledge and yep. skills, assuming that I have something like that. But there are very few businesses other than probably a family business where you slowly hand something over to your kids uh, or in your case where you're going to, you know, put people in place that you can not be around quite so much. And and that to me with society is kind of strange. And, and I mean, I, I don't think I worry about Donovan because I know he's got lots of other interests and he's got lots of stuff going on. But for so many people to go from 60 to zero just just kind of doesn't add up, right? And there's there, again, feels like there's some sort of weird social pressure that, yes, you should all of a sudden sit at home and, and do nothing, right? Instead of kind of phasing your way out. And I know that's not totally true, but uh, that, that one kind of surprises me. And, and that's what I would love to do, I guess that's what I look at for my future, wherever that is down the road, is is finding some positions or some things like that where you can still be phasing yourself out, right? Instead of just one yeah. day all of a sudden moving to Paint Lake and never seeing anybody ever again. 
Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's important that it's meaningful, right? Like, like, I mean, I don't knock anyone that you know that works a certain way or doesn't choose to work. You know, you hear about all these people that die shortly after they retire, and then, you know, the idea is like, oh, they should have retired earlier, but you know, maybe they died because they have no more meaning in their life. You know, Donnie's got lots of things going on, but I think a lot of people, you know, I think that's the painful thing. And last, you you realized that early on, you know, meaningful wasn't working for somebody, right? And uh, you yeah. just kept pursuing that. And I don't knock the guy that loves his like you know eight thirty one to uh, four thirty two job if they find meaning in it. And you know what that uh, yeah I think that's what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. Is it is it absolutely. is it meaningful? The other thing that has changed, you know, and if you just break down, you know, in ten year block. And when my dad said he was going to retire, the first thing I said is, oh, damn, what is he going to do when he retires? Because he incorporated absolutely no recreation, no work-life balance. He literally retired, and that was it. He had a couple of things going on per year, winemaking, a couple of trips to Winnipeg. But besides that, it was a full hard stop, you know, further to what Bruce said. And I think... As every genera- as every ten years moves forward, and we started it, I think we started to incorporate, you know, uh, recreation, you know, extracurricular activities, so that work started to shrink and our life started to increase. And I just think of the way even our society is moving and the way people work. Look how mat leave is going to be eighteen months. There's paternity leave. I'm probably going to take a sabbatical. People can work from not just home, but international. Like, Les goes to Italy last year, and he works from Italy. Yep. And he, yeah. he, the blend between work and life uh, is, is quickly changing, and I think that's why what we are, um, our perception of what it looks like to retire from our generation, our parent generation to us, to what our kids' generation will be, is going to be completely different yeah. because of all of those things that people have said. I think it's going to look well, I think it's, really different. But it's different. two different things, though. You're saying two kind of different things, because I agree in, like, one podcast. We do have more time than any, but, like, in our one podcast, Bruce was right. Our parents' generation were part of rotary clubs. They went curling. They went out. They Like, I remember my parents every weekend. Um, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, but, I like, more than ever, people are being, like, yeah, there's maternity leave and there's all these different systemic things that are in place and um, people can work from home. But by all measures, like people are dying at work. People hate their work. People are working more than ever, like more hours than ever, which is kind of a, this big paradox because we have more time than ever. And I think it's depending on your sector and depending on your status and what part of the, the world you work in. But like by all counts, we are working more than ever and people are more sick than ever from work. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's interesting great. because I think the you know there's there's two other sides of this of this topic. I don't know if we have time to delve into both of them. Getting on, close to the tomato timer. Pick the big yeah. one. One of them obviously is financial, right? Like I remember, you know, our parents' generation, the mantra was get a good job that will have a good pension, and then you're going to be okay for life. And right now, even our generation, I don't know about you guys, but I. I even early in my career, I never planned on having a pension. I know that, right. you know, now, like millennials, I mean, certainly nobody thinks that way. There's a financial aspect of this conversation as well, like making sure that yeah. you put yourself financially in a position to retire. And then the other thing is the aspect of family and kids. And I'd be interested in what you guys have to say about that, because obviously I'm the one guy on the pod that doesn't have kids. So what? I know a lot of people think about. 
So I, Bruce, at, at one point, what am I going to do with the kids or a house and that type of thing? So people think of moving into retirement as being sort of a different phase of their life style. Yeah. And, yeah. and your kids growing up and moving out of the house have a big part of that as well. Um, I don't know, maybe for me, retirement might be having kids, and that'll be a <laughs> different way to live the second half of my life, you know? So I, may flip I think that's head. a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge aspect of my not knowing what retirement's going to look like, and for Marnie as well, is where are our kids going to end up? And not that we're going to follow our kids around and, you know, move in with them, but uh, likely we're going to want to be close to them or just just know where their lives end up, right? So that that's one of the kind of uncertain things I think that that you throw in with retirement a couple other last thoughts for me one of them is live for today I I myself Harold Smith Tim Johnson who I hang around with a lot here all of our fathers passed away in their 40s and 50s right so sometimes you yeah. just think I never thought about retirement because I never saw my you know my dad never retired right so there's a there's kind of a, a strange yeah. aspect to that and I and I guess my last thought is just uh, and it's funny when you said you picked a, a sport as a kid diving that didn't pay any money one of my passions is media yep. and media pays zero money. So, so getting into that in <laughs> retirement when I don't need it so much for the money and just being fun is probably one of the things that that's on my radar. Well, I'm going to need someone to produce my professional podcast, Bruce, so uh, we can talk about that. And now you know that I expect to make zero money in that profession, so that's yeah. good news for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. You played that card way too early, Bruce. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for, sandbag, thanks for sandbagging yourself. Really I love it. <laughs> I always feel weird when I talk about the work thing because my life is unlike anyone else I know. I mean, the closest is Lester. Um, but, you know, in terms of chasing things and never feeling settled, never feeling good enough, retirement, it just doesn't even make sense to me. I think, you know, with the boys, it's a, it's kind of a, another interesting paradox. My brazen first university, and we're like roommates now. So I don't want them to move out of the house, but I want them to stay in the house forever. But I'm excited that I get to work more. So I'm getting that experience. Like people, oh, the kids are, you know, kids are with retirement. Like I just love to work so much. Like I, I'm loving the fact that the boys are independent and they're like, yeah, we don't need you for the next few hours. And I just go like create something or work or um, do something that I find very meaningful. So I'm in a very unique place that very few people understand, right? Very few people can understand. I mean, I love talking to Lester for many reasons, that whole piece of, um, yeah, the entrepreneurial slash unsettled kind of work is uh, something I like to connect on. And so that's my final word. Uh, retirement, I don't, it's like you might as well say a word that's not English because I, that's how, that's what, how it makes sense to me. <laughs> and I think you're right. I think that's what we're saying with uh, being close to our kids. Having adult kids around is fantastic, right? Especially when you, you got a little bit of time. So, Yeah, I, I, think, I think everybody's kind of said this in a, in a slightly different way. The concept or how concrete retirement is is no longer concrete. It's kind of fuzzy because we're all going to do something a little bit different. And it sounds like most people kind of want to work longer because they have to. People are living longer, so you got to figure out what you're going to do. People get divorced in their 60s and 70s and have different periods of their life. And people have kids older like me, so that you got to be healthy when you're 60 to hang out with them. Yeah, retirement is really kind of blurry. It's kind of like a, it's like a painting. You know, it's in the eye of the beholder what it's going to look like. And I think that's why yeah, it's so that's a good point. cool because our uh, our parents' generation clearly had a very concrete perception of what retirement is, and I think all four of us have no idea. 
And that's what makes it cool because we have no yeah. idea. And I love it. Absolutely. I love that I don't really know what I'm going to do 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Or like Bruce said, God, I'm loving right now. I'm in such yeah. a good place yeah. right now. So, yeah. yeah, let retirement be some nebulous term in the future. You don't know what you're going to be when you grow up. That's like that. That's it. That answers the pod question. You don't know what you're going to be when you grow up. No kidding. I still think uh, Sebastian pulling my thumb and me farting is hilarious. I will never grow up. Oh, wait. Yes, that did happen. That just happened. Kids in the hall. Oh, my God. They sit. Somebody crack a window. Sit the rank in here. It's a rank in here. Well, George, that's good because I got some ideas for you in retirement. <laughs> I, got some, I, got, I got some business ideas and, and how I can uh, monetize you as an asset, monetize our friendship as an asset. <laughs> Excellent. Talk about a long con, Les. You've been working on this guy since grade five. <laughs> <laughs> My retirement plan played the long game. <laughs> One one minute left on the timer, Les. Uh, last word for you. Yeah, I think my last word, I'll just, just very briefly, I will point out that the, the two things I mentioned, finances and children, also tie together. Because I remember at one point my mother saying to me that she never felt comfortable retiring until she knew my brother and I were going to be financially secure on our own. And I remember thinking, like, wow, that's weird. Like, you actually worried about whether or not you had to keep working in case I like didn't have a job. And, but now, I mean, like, you know, uh, I guess Bruce, your kids are probably the oldest, right? Or, or Steve, uh, uh, Bruce uh, is your oldest about the same age. George, you're the most younger. But like, I think to all the people who think I have to keep working because I'm not sure that my child or children are going to be able to support themselves. So that's kind of a, uh, uh, another angle of it that I don't have to worry about. So maybe I have played the long game, fellas. My retirement plan does not include paying university fees for for uh, anybody. <laughs> That's what they call exactly. Zane and Raven playing the long game. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go into hiding when I retire. Yeah. <laughs> Your kids can't find me. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Brilliant. I think we're at. We don't know what we want to do when we grow up, but uh, it's it's stay a little bit busy is uh, is probably the bottom line for everybody one one yep. way or the other. Yeah. It's the closing segment on the Snow Day Podcast. When's the last time you... When is the last time you actually intentionally went for a picnic? Like like blanket, basket, you know, whether it was with uh, you or more people, just to actually go and have a, uh, an intentional picnic somewhere. Oh, is that what you want? Yep. Because that's how you get ants. Yay! It's interesting because in Australia, it's more of a thing. I don't know, George, if you remember that, but going for a picnic is, is common. So I was thinking when the last time I did, but here, I think it was about a, maybe a year ago, the boys and I, and we, do, we always go to the beach, so that's different. Like going to the beach and grabbing a cooler, we do that every week in the summer. But uh, about, I think it was about a year ago, just under a year ago, we actually did pack the basket, took some wing, like some, did the whole thing, chicken, you know, like the... The uh, plaid, the plaid blanket, uh, <laughs> tablecloth kind of thing, and uh, sat by the river um, just outside of uh, St Andrews. There, yeah, it was awesome. That was the last time. That was the last time I did that. Very looking forward to doing it again. Very TV by the sounds of things. Alvarez, <laughs> what do you got? You ever been on a picnic? 
This is by far the worst question ever. Mm. <laughs> 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 Just gonna throw it out there. I don't think I thought about this for very long. But uh, it's been so long that I actually gave away my picnic basket because eventually, as a couple, you receive that as a gift. I gave it away to a woman's shelter because it had been so long, so I have no idea. No, well, what a, what a sensitive gift to give to a women's shelter. That's just fantastic, <laughs> George. But I'm not Yogi Bear. I haven't gone on a picnic with, with Ranger Smith. Yogi Bear is smarter than the I hope your girlfriend hears some, this pod. I hope she hears this pod and stares you down. <laughs> Anyways, that's my answer. I actually gave away my picnic basket because it's been 20 years. I can't even remember the last time I went. <laughs> wow. I, I was having trouble remembering too, George, and it turns out the last picnic that I went to was in your neck of the woods, and it was right near Drumheller. Uh, I had to ask Marnie and Murph just before we got on the pod when the last time we went to a picnic. So we did a run out from Manitoba through the mountains. So we went to Banff and then over to Radium Hot Springs and then up to Golden and then dipped back to Drumheller. The The sad story of this picnic to getting to the picnic is our van wasn't very good at the time. So we ended up renting a PT cruiser. Can you imagine all the crenses in a PT cruiser buzzing through the mountains? Wow. <laughs> I know. It was a terrible vehicle to get. Like, you can barely see out of those things. We're in the most beautiful part of our country, and nobody could see anything. It was a, it was a bad call, and uh, it was a, kind of this little car. And we were going from, from Golden across. There's, like, there's this giant bridge between two mountain peaks. It's a, what do you call that, a pass? And it uh, turns out I'm afraid of heights a little bit, guys. Uh, as we were going Whoa. across that bridge, <laughs> I had, a, like, a panic attack, right? It was bad. And so I'm thinking, you're the dad. you got to keep this together. Like, come on, man. You can't. <laughs> You're the dad. <laughs> You're the dad. So so we so we get across this great big huge bridge, and then I, I kind of pulled over to the side a little bit, slowing down. And Marnie looked over at me, and she's like, "You don't look very good. What's wrong?" And like all the blood was out of my face and everything. So <laughs> I ended up I ended up giving her the wheel for the rest of the afternoon, and kind of enjoyed the scenery from there. It was like it was crazy. So then we stopped. We stopped in uh, somewhere around Drumheller in sort of like a Badlands kind of a place. And we were right up on top of a huge sort of a plateau. And, and we did. We rolled out the, the blanket, the picnic basket, the whole thing. And there was a bunch of gophers that were there that kept coming on the blankets. And the kids started chasing them around. And then Marnie was terrified. And I, I was worried, too, that the kids were going to, like, go flying off a cliff at the edge of this thing because it was right <laughs> at the top. So, like, the Krenses should not go to the mountains or the Badlands ever again. It was, uh, it was a crazy one. That's, a, that's the last picnic I've ever been on. Lester, PT, PT Cruiser, Fear of Heights, Panic Attacks. How about you? Picnics are a fun time. Traumatic event for you. I love it. But Bruce, that's actually uh, that's actually not true. I got to call you out on this because I think you had a picnic uh, in Ottawa last summer with Donald Wong. Good oh! call. Didn't you didn't you sit on the grass uh, playing uh, playing baseball? And eat? Oh, we had beers once we got to the <laughs> once we got to the grass and sandwiches. No no blanket or picnic basket, but if a if a cooler works and, <laughs> and, and yeah, I and, think you need to have a blanket on the ground so it qualifies a picnic. Okay, it wasn't a picnic. Right. You don't need a basket either. You don't need a basket. The other men that were there with Wongers and I made it awkward. <laughs> okay, okay last year. You're avoiding the question. Come on. No, no, I'm not avoiding the question. In fact, uh, I actually, Steve, when I saw this question, I was happy to see it and I appreciated it. 
because I've been Thanks, waiting buddy. for a public I've been waiting for a public forum to say this in for a long time. So I'm just going to come out and say it. I fucking hate picnics. <laughs> oh, I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! <laughs> I hate the concept of a picnic. I've never wow. been on a picnic. I have this conversation with my girlfriend all the time. I'm like, listen, I love parks. I like going to the park. I like taking my shoes off and walking in the grass. I like sitting in the grass in the park. I like eating sandwiches. If we're in a park and you said, hey, here's a sandwich, I would say, oh, that's a fantastic sandwich. And I would sit in the park and I would eat a sandwich. But if you say to me, I want to go on a picnic, or would you like to go on a picnic, I'm going to say, fuck no, that just sounds <gasps> I hate oh, the concept no. of picnics. There you go. I said it. I mean it. I will go to my grave hating picnics. I've never. Wow. I will never go on a picnic. I'm I'm glad I get to facilitate your public expression. Boys, just before we wrap it up, I got to do a shout out. I forgot to do it when we talked about the Manitoba games. Dinah Santos was here with a couple of her kids. Uh, participating, oh, and, nice. and we got a chance to oh, wow. interview her kids down in the cafeteria, and I chatted with her, and she's a huge fan of the pod. She was telling one of the other coaches about it on the <laughs> bus on the way up. So shout out to Dinah. Thanks for spreading the word. And, hey, uh, Dinah. And, yeah. Hey, Dinah. Shout real. out to her sister, Sandy Santos. Yeah, keep it real. Shout out, shout out to our boy, uh, Gerald Sharto. It's his birthday today, actually. Ooh, Happy nice birthday, birthday. Producer Mike shares a birthday with Gerald, so it's his birthday today, too. So uh, shout, shout oh, out to hey, producer hey, Mike. Take him for a picnic. Get that picnic. Yeah. Hey, enough. Hey, hey, enough with the picnic, okay? <laughs> Good enough. All right, boys. We should, go to my, we should go to my first question. Let me go to my first question. I text you. Yeah, today. no thanks. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce, do you want me to mute him? Yeah, mute him. <laughs> no, he's, no. He's, you're gone. Done. Thanks for coming. Yeah, love you guys. All right. All right. Yeah, love you. Time to wrap it up, boys. We'll talk again right. sooner. We're okay. not we're not going six weeks again. We gotta we gotta get on a schedule. See you boys. Thanks, Georgie, Lester. Love you guys. Take care. Talk soon. All right, fellas. Talk soon. These guys are my best friends. To take and things. We've always been together. We're four of a kind. Having fun all day. Piling around and laughing away. Just best friends. Best friends are we. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Want to do us a solid? Tell your friends. Recommend us on Twitter and Instagram at SnowDayPod and on Facebook, SnowDayPodcast. And special thanks to the secret weapon, Shannon Bisson.